What's up, everybody? This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org, and I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Today's episode is a continuation from E3 Partners talking about multiplication. This is part two of Josh Bink's talk with us about multiplying disciples. And I found this one to be especially interesting because he kind of gives us some mathematical equations on figuring out the percentage of lost people that are probably within our communities around us. I found it extremely convicting and he creates space during this session um, to just pray for those lost people that are around us in our communities. So I built in some space in this episode for us to do the exact same thing. I've not heard of a podcast doing that, but hey, we're talking about the lost people here. We're talking about eternity. So why wouldn't we make space in our everyday lives today to pray for them? So I hope that you will find this episode challenging and also inspiring. Enjoy the episode, everybody. All right, so my job, I've got an hour, now less than an hour. I got 55 minutes to share with you some things that we've seen work in the North American context when it comes to disciple making, at least starting the journey to developing a, a, a church or uh, at least a, a, a system in your church that is a disciple making factory, right? Wouldn't you say that's what we want for our church? We just want to kick out disciples, send them to the gaps, whether those gaps are in our community or around the world. We want to make disciples, right? So if you would say, hey, we want our church to make disciples, just lift your hands here, bro. Good, you came to the right conference and hopefully you came to the right breakout session. So I believe I would start this off by sharing a story with y'all. Is it okay if I share a story? Yeah, yeah. If it's not okay, I'm sorry. You're stuck with the story anyways, all right? So my first job when I came with E3 was I was a global trainer. And so my job was to feed into strategies all around the world, primarily in the area of teaching hermeneutics to pastors, right? teaching them how to look at God's word, discern what it says so that they can hand it off uh, to their house churches, to the people that they lead. Well, we went to a mid-level training in Lebanon. And in Lebanon, we brought a lot of pastors from the Middle Eastern region to this particular mid-level training. Lebanon was probably the safest place we could go. And so we had pastors from all over the Middle East, whether it was in Jordan or Syria or Egypt, they all came to Lebanon. It was about 50 pastors who were trying to pursue movement. Has anybody ever heard of that word before, movement? Yeah, yeah. How would you define movement? Anybody want to give me a definition of what movement is? Disciples making disciples. That's down to a nutshell, but where we're rapidly reproducing disciples and churches, right? We're looking for five and six streams or three and four generations down. That's what we can call movement. And so we brought a lot of movement leaders to Lebanon just to discuss some stuckages that they were having. And so as we were working with these guys, and mainly we were learning from them more than we were helping them. We were giving them simple tools, but at the end of the day, they were really teaching us about what movement looks like. And as we were working with them, we came up with some astronomical numbers of what they were trying to approach when it came to their work. So we call this brutal facts. Has anybody ever heard of brutal facts for their context before? A couple of us? If you have, raise your hand. If you've never heard the brutal facts in your context, if you've never heard of that tool before, raise your hand. Oh, good. I get to teach at least some of you some new things, all right? So at the count of three, with me, say brutal facts. One, two, three. Brutal facts. Turn to somebody around you and say, I'm going to work on my brutal facts today. 
You're going to know exactly what the brutal, or you're going to have a good idea of what the brutal facts of your context is today before you leave this breakout session. But what we were discussing with these uh, pastors from the Middle East was their brutal facts. And collectively, their goal, these 50 pastors in this room from all over the region, their goal was to see 373 million Arabic-speaking unbelievers reached with the gospel. Now that is a tall order. Would, would you agree? 373 million folks who are far from God reached with the good news of Jesus. And there was 50 dudes in the room. All right, now just take this number and like double it. And that's about how many pastors we were working with that had this vision. And so what we were discussing with them and as we were talking with them, sociologists will, uh, will tell you that if you can reach about 10%, how many percents? How many percents? If you can reach 10% of any given context with a message, then those 10% will evangelize the other 90% in that community, right? So the goal is for those 40 or 50 pastors that were in the room and they have a target goal of 373 million people by which 99.9% .9 of them are far from God. They, they don't even have a clue as to who Jesus is or what he came to do for them. If they have a goal of reaching 10% of them, what is 10% of 373 million people? So we're pastors, not mathematicians, right? <laughs> right? We're leaders in the church, not math. So just say it's 37 million. Just that's still a ginormous number. Who lives in a city with 37 million people? Like, so we, we barely have a context to understand how big 37 million is. 50 people in the room, pastors who are passionate about their people, reaching 37 million so that those 37 million can evangelize the other 373 million is a tall order. Would you agree? Absolutely. And so they start working in their groups and they're putting together ideas, trying to work into this number backwards, how they could get to 37 million people in a 10-year goal. And so they figured that if they could see 10,000 converts a day, every day, not one single day off for 10 years, they could get to 37 million reached with the gospel. 50 people in the room. Is that possible? Yeah, just collectively, let's say no at the count of three. One, two, three. I mean, God can do what God wants to do, right? He can do that, but 50 men in the room, 10,000 converts a day, never having a day off to go play golf in the Middle East. Impossible. It's impossible. So, like you, they understood that it takes multiplication. It takes disciples making disciples who make disciples. And so what we were able to walk away with in that room that over the course of those few days is that if those pastors could reproduce themselves twice a year, if they could make two disciples every year, and then those new disciples make two disciples every year, that within 10 years, by the time they reached 10 years, they would bypass that 37 million to 52 million disciples made within 10 years. You know this math. This is why you're here today. You're trying to figure out a way for your people to buy into this disciple-making um, uh, journey, this disciple-making system, the, this biblical approach to reaching lostness within a community, right? 
So let's just take the American context, and I'm sure Will would probably know better than I would, but I looked at the census this morning from 2020. Now, I know that the census of 2020 is probably a little off because of COVID, but it's estimated there's about 330 million people that live in the U.S., right? Would you agree with that, Will, being a guy that works in the U.S.? 330 million people who live in the U.S. Now, Best estimates that we can figure is about 77% of those 330 million people that live in this country are lost. Now, they may profess that they know Jesus, but when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, their understanding of who Jesus is or what Jesus has come to do, or really their devotion to who Jesus is, is off. So the best guess that we have is that the lostness in this country is around 77%. Right. So, look, I I could ask you to do the math, but I already did because this is kind of hard. So let me write. Let me look at what the number I put down. So that means of the 330 million people that live here, 255 million of them are lost as a goose. That if they take their last breath today, tomorrow they will open their eyes in an eternity separated from God. That is probably why you do ministry is because that breaks your heart. Because you probably have family members, you probably have neighbors, you probably have friends who are far from God. And this is why you went into ministry, so that you could reach them with the good news of Jesus. But this is so cool. See, when we were working with those Middle Eastern pastors, 99% lostness. They had to get to 10%. But what we have the advantage of here in the U.S., is we're already at that 10%. We have 23% of saved people in our country today. So we've reached 10%. So now we just have to work on getting that 23% up to shoulder height in the area of evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development. And that onst, that responsibility is put on each and every one of us. If you would agree with that, say amen. amen. And give somebody beside you a high five and say hallelujah. Yeah, you know that. So this is what I want you to do, all right? So here's your exercise for the next, I'll give you like five minutes. All right, so if you know that the average, let's just say the average lostness in the U.S. is 77%. Now, that may vary for your community. So like, take the state of Louisiana, which is where we labor locally. Like, if you go to North Louisiana, that is a little bit more saturated with uh, with evangelical churches and uh, Protestant understanding of the gospel. The further south you move, like towards New Orleans, you'll find that the lostness is greater. So North Louisiana is around 70% lostness, South Louisiana, 80% lostness. So you, your, your number may vary depending on where you are, but let's just say that the average is 77% of the people who live in your community are lost. So now what I want you to do is take a few minutes, if you have to pull out the almighty Google and figure out what the population of your community is and then figure out how many people in your community are lost with that 77% losses. Go ahead and take a few minutes. If you wanna know how to do it, if you have 30,000 that live in your community, multiply that times 0.77 and you'll come out with the number. You got it? All right, so what is the lostness in your community? What about, what about you? Uh, 
1,692. Lost. All right. Who else got that brutal fact? 91,392. My goodness. I saw a hand. Yes, sir. 910,000. Who else got the losses in there? Can you? Yes, sir. 139,000. Ah, no. All right. Who else? Yes, sir. 4.7 million. <clears throat> Who else? Yes, sir. 884,000. Lost. All right. Who else? Yes, sir. 1,985. Wow. <laughs> 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 That's right. That's right. Everybody knows everybody in your town, right? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Who Say that one more time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Get out of town. Wow. All right. So uh, who else? Somebody else give me their losses. Yes, sir. About 10500 10, Now, this is what I want you to do. So by now, you should have your losses. So I want you to set a five-year goal. All right, so do five times 365 and then take whatever that number is and divide it into the amount of lost people that are in your community. Go ahead and do that right now. So, yeah, a lot of math, a lot of math. All right, all right, here we go. So this is what I want you to do. I want to see how, if in order to reach all of them, right, let's just say, well, the, 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 the you had like seven people lost in your community. How many of you say you had lost in your 1900 all right 1900 loss in your community and so how long would it take to share the gospel with every lost person in your community over the course of five years how many times a day would you need to share the gospel so that you reached everybody so take five times 365 that gives you how many days you get a couple extra days because of leap year right and then i want you to take that total number and divide it into the lostness that you have the amount of lostness that you have in your community. And that'll let us know how many gospel shares you need to do every day even in the next five years to make sure that everybody, one gospel share a day, one a day. Praise God. 147 gospel shares. 147 gospel You got a lot to do. You got a lot to do, Miss Nancy. Who else? 50 gospel shares a day. All right, where else? 555 a, a day. You got to get jiggy with it, right? You got a lot to do. What else? What else? 20. 20 a day. All right. That's doable. That's doable. That's doable. No days off, though, for the next five years. No days off. All right. You can't play golf. All right. 2.75 per day. 2.75 a day. All right. All right. Who else? Yes. 9.26. A day. All right. No days off. All right. Anybody else want to share? Yes, sir. 295 a day. Oh, you got to get busy. You got to get busy. Oh, shucky ducky. All right. 862 gospel shares a day. So let me ask you a question. Even if your number was one a day or three a day, right? It was like 2.9 a day? Nine. Nine a day. 20 a day. Like, okay, on a stellar day, you can maybe do 20 a day if you did a big Easter outreach or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, this was not meant for one person. Would you agree? This was not meant to bottleneck with the leadership of the church. This was meant to be the responsibility of every Tom, Dick, and Harry or Susie, Betsy, and Joe in the church, right? So now this is what I want you to think about. 
So take your numbers and now figure out how many disciples you would need to make a year that would make a disciple a year. So if it's like make one a year, the next year, everybody makes one a year. And you see how it doubles, you know, if you were to double yourself and they were to double themselves every year, how many disciples a year would you need to double to reach that mark in five years? It's a little bit more math, right? A little bit more math. It's, it's, it's a breakout session where we work, right? So a little, so let's just say for the one where you got, no, you had a smaller community, your community, right? You had like 900 a day that you'd have to share the gospel with. So you may want to say, I need to make four, uh, four disciples a year. I need to make five disciples a year. And to double that out, how many disciples a year would you need to make who multiply every year, five disciples who multiply five disciples? How many would it take in five years to reach the lostness in your community, just with a gospel share, not necessarily even making a disciple, just with gospel share. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's good. I, oh, awesome. Okay, so, because uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. All right, so. Uh, for every one disciple you make. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you are talking about equations that are far beyond yeah. my scope. This is, the, this is the point, and so, like, because I'm not even sure I can explain it, but this is the idea that if we can double ourselves, or we can teach somebody else to double ourselves, rather than you trying to go out and do the work, but you taught other people how to do the work, you taught other people how to do the work, then you could get to the lostness so much quicker than what you could if it bottlenecked with you. So let's take a minute right now before we get started, and everybody find somebody beside you, a partner. Everybody find a partner, grab a partner, grab a partner. And I want you to pray for your brutal facts. So you, your partner would pray for your brutal facts, and then you would pray for your partner's brutal facts. So take an opportunity and pray for each other's brutal facts. Podcast listeners, I want to encourage you right now to wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're mowing the grass or, or on a walk while you're listening to this episode, I encourage you to just pause for a minute or so here and pray for the lost people that are around you in your neighborhood, in your community, that God would open doors for you to share the gospel with them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us the responsibility, that you have laid before us the task of chasing after everybody, everywhere, hearing the good news of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we get to pour our lives into another, to teach them everything that we have learned from you, and to see disciples make disciples and make disciples. 
churches plant churches that plant churches. And Lord, we are begging and we are praying and we're asking for you to hasten the day, Lord, when this nation, Lord, is saturated, Lord, not just with gospel shares, but saturated with disciples and healthy churches that teach truth. And so, Lord, as we start our conference, this conference off with daydreaming and thinking about, and Lord, even being confronted with some hard facts, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us encouragement, Lord, and we can leave here today with, Lord, a big vision, a clear pathway, and simple steps to seeing our communities transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, this is, I think, hopefully, what you've seen through the simple tool of brutal facts, of just looking at the lostness within your community. You've noticed, and you probably already know this, that it's not necessarily according to the Great Commission. Can anybody quote the Great Commission in here? I'm going to put you on the spot. Can anybody quote it? If you can't, quote, raise your hand. Good. All right. Who wants to do it? I've seen a lot of hands. All right. So, all right. Here we go. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. I'm the big boss, right? All authority is given unto me both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make converts, right? No! Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I'm with you until the end of the age. You see, I think for far too long the church has been about seeing how many people we can get converted to Christianity rather than taking the Great Commission seriously. Not again that we don't put value in it, but hey, let's make the focus about the Great Commission. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And as the brutal facts have pointed out to us, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in the U.S., or whether it's in your town of 75, right? <laughs> Pretty much, right? We see that we don't, we don't have an evangelistic problem. We have a disciple-making problem that we have to figure out. We have to figure out how we can get our people up to shoulder height in the areas, yes, of evangelism. We need to make sure that they know how to share the gospel clearly and concisely. But we also need to make sure that they know how to make what? Disciples, that's right. Very good. Give somebody a high five because you knew the answer to that. <laughs> All right. So what I want to do, what I want to do for the next few minutes, um, so they didn't give me instructions on how to open up this box. of. Um, is this y'all's? I don't want to tear the box. So he's the one that tied this thing together? Okay. All right. Oh. Uh, I needed a lady to show me how to do things. It's a, it's a story of my life at my house. Yeah. So, so we need a plan, like, because discipleship is not something that happens by accident, typically, especially from an institutional uh, point of view. Like, I mean, discipleship is going to, yeah, I'll take that back. It does happen accidentally, but if you want to disciple people in the things that Jesus taught us, that takes intentionality, all right? So what I want us to work on today is I want us to work on something we call big vision. At the count of three, say big vision. Now, a big vision, we're not talking about a little vision. We're not talking about, hey, I want to make sure that we can, uh, you know, get 150 people to our Easter service this coming Easter. That's, that's little. That's peanuts. Big vision. Think of big vision. So we want to talk about big vision. All right. Then we want to talk about a clear pathway, right? 
We can have a huge vision, but if we have no idea how we're going to get there, then the big vision is just an ideal. It's a pipe dream. And then we want to talk about simple steps. If the steps are not simple, most of the time we will sojourn on this pathway. So now, this is something that you, you've already worked on two of these already. We've already worked with the brutal facts. We've already worked on a big vision, right? That big vision has to be biblical. And we kind of have a, an understanding of what the clear pathway is. So just based off the big vision, I mean, based off the brutal facts that we just did together as a group, what is the big vision that God would give you for your community? At the count of three, tell me your community one more time. One, two, three. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Good. All right. Understood all that. So, all right. So what is the big vision based off the brutal facts? What is the big vision that you have for your community? And then that clear pathway, right? That clear path. We talked about that as well. I mean, that's why you're here. Disciples making disciples. So with just maybe a couple sentences, maybe you can write down in words what a big vision is for your community and what a clear pathway is. And then we'll work on some best practices. I'll share some best practices with you for simple steps. So go ahead and just take a couple minutes and maybe with a sentence, talk about what the big vision is for your community and what a clear pathway is. Disciple making disciples, put it in your fancy terms, however you want to say it. And then we'll talk about simple steps. So best practices with the last few minutes that I have, I think I got 20 and I want to provide some time for you guys to ask questions. So we would tell you like uh, what we have seen best practice in the work that we have done, certainly in the North American context, but really all around the world is that we don't have a problem with understanding or knowledge. Now, again, the, the, the regular people in our church, they may not know as much as you know, but I would say that the church in the West is the smartest church that has ever existed because we have 2,000 years of the church fathers pouring into our understanding of theology, philosophies of ministry. So it's not necessarily our church has a knowledge issue. I think what we're struggling with in this context is a practice issue. I think we know who Jesus is. I think we know what Jesus came to do. People who are not even in our church can probably explain to us what our church teaches about salvation. However, what we're finding in our church is a lot of our folks don't know how to live out their faith. And so let me just take you through another simple tool real quick which we call training versus teaching. So let's just talk about what would you, if you had to capture what teaching is with one word how, or a phrase, what would you say teaching is? Information. Huh, information, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, information, what else? Okay, so sharing, somebody said sharing what? Sharing knowledge. All right, then what was the next one after that? Knowledge, okay. Yeah, right. I think what you're saying is what is our typical approach to Yeah, yeah. And, I, and yeah. And I would say, like, what are you seeing teaching a lot of times in our churches today? What are you seeing as teaching in our churches? So as a teacher, yeah, you would say the best approach is to model, and yeah. to which I would agree. Yeah. Authority. Hey, y'all, pardon if it's spelt wrong because I'm from South Louisiana, all right? Just, just walk with it. Authoritative. All right, good. All right. Consumed. Consumed. All right. That's good. Dreams. 
Oh, don't, 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 don't do it yet. Don't do it. Don't, don't you do it yet. Don't you do it yet. Con, is, is it C-O or C-U? Okay. Con, C. Is that right? I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. All right. Yeah. All right. What else? All right. So now let's move over to training. I know I did those backwards, but how would you say training? What, what do you say training is? So can I use your word model? Yeah. Because that's something you do beside them, right? Practice. I'm not even going to spell that, but that's a good one. All right. <laughs> Formally educated. All right. What else? Coach, oh man, that's a good one. So that was another good one I heard. But you get, you get the point. And so I think what we see here, the difference between teaching and training. Teaching is this idea of handing over information. And what we see with training is handing over a skill, right? And so skills require reps. Is there any basketball players in here? Used to be basketball players? Yeah, scared to play basketball because you might hurt yourself now? That, that's me, yeah, all right. All right, so I remember when I, I, was, I was tall for my age, so they're like, hey, won't you play basketball, right? And uh, the height that I have now, I reach at like 13 years old. I stopped growing. But so I play basketball. And I remember like the first practice that I went to when I was a kid, uh, they had these layup lines. And so they threw me the ball and said, all right, go and do a layup. <laughs> I look like a giraffe trying to bounce a ball and put it into the bucket, right? It was... Awkward, it was horrible, I was made fun of for years. But after doing that over and over and over, a layup was a sure shot. You never miss a layup because that's one that you practice all the time. And so it's something that you're trained in. Any weightlifters, or used to be weightlifters in here, anybody? Yeah, and so right, and so you lift weights, and so you build that muscle. The first time that I remember doing a bench press with the bird chest that I have, it was horrible, but after time and with a training buddy, right, somebody behind me making sure it didn't crush my chest, I was able to bench press a lot more weight than when I started. And so what we need to do is we need to shift the paradigm in a lot of ways within our churches from handing over information to imparting skills. Now, let me give you just a quick thing and why we say we believe that you can get on the road with a plan that works in 90 days is because we try to help the church understand this aspect, training. All right, so let me ask you a question. Anybody ever brought training to your church? Yeah? So what kind of training did you bring to your church? <laughs> Name it, right, 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 right. So, so that training... Was there any reps that took place after the session? Yeah. yeah. All right. And so, did it stick up? Good. All right. Any other trainings? Anybody else did trainings at their church? Yeah. Worship, Worship training. So learn how to either like. And so, in order for any of that information to stick, they had to actually put it into place. And so when it comes to evangelism and discipleship and leadership development, the idea is the exact same. And so what we do, let me just give you a, a case study real quick. And we'll talk about the church that you're aware of. Since you're in here, uh, you know. So a friend of his, I just was at his church. How far apart is your church from their church? About six hours, eight hours? Yeah. So it was a church that you pastored 
years ago, right? In the early 2000s. So I just worked with his church, his old former church, uh, Westside Baptist Church. At the count of three, say Westside. One, two, three. All right, just make sure you haven't fallen asleep on me, asleep on me yet. And so I worked with their pastor. Their pastor, we'll just say his name was Sammy. And so I have a relationship with him, was talking with him. And one day he shared with me, he was like, man, I hear what you do, and the Lord has convicted me. He says, for far too long, he said, I have known very well how to educate the church, how to pass off information to the church, but I have no idea. And he's been a pastor for better than 20 years. I'm struggling with knowing how to make a disciple, on how to part, impart skills to a church. And I said, brother, let me walk with you. And so for about a month and a half, six weeks, I walked with him and his closest leadership. And I took them through the Bible and I helped them understand four of the biggest obstacles that we have to somebody making a, a disciple. We walked through those four big obstacles with his leadership. I showed them how to overcome through the Bible, nothing that I know or anything that I have gained, just what the Bible says and how we overcome those obstacles for four weeks. And then I showed them simple, reproducible tools that they can start with individuals or with small groups. We call it three-thirds. Anybody ever heard of a three-thirds group before? Simple three-thirds process for six weeks. And then we trained the entire church on one Saturday. Now his leadership for six weeks has been bought in. They've been learning principles, they've been learning tools, they've been learning how to do this, they've even been practicing it in their own context, in their own little circles of influence. And then we took that leadership to this training and now this leadership is helping the guy outside of town, the one that they would say an expert, that's because they don't know any better, they, that guy, they're helping that guy train their church. And according to the testimony that you heard, they are lit on fire and three-thirds groups have started. And so you see within 90 days, six weeks beforehand and then for the next six weeks, they have started three-thirds groups where they're teaching disciples how to make disciples who make disciples. Let me talk about another church. A church is much larger than the church at Westside Baptist Church, a church that we work with in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Spread over four campuses, 10,000 people I've never even been to a church with 10,000 people. I mean, like, it's just, now, you guys, I mean, y'all have like 47 million at your church, right? That's, it's ginormous, right? <laughs> Purpose-driven books come out of your church all the time. All right, ginormous church. And so you would say to shift that church, how are we going to do that? Because as a big boat sailing in one direction, how do we begin to make that paradigm shift to get them to think about disciples making disciples rather than being consumeristic and coming to the church to hear the good preaching and the good worship and sending my kids to all the fun stuff that the church does. And it's the same process. For six to eight weeks beforehand, I took leaders that realized that there was an issue and we showed them simple um, solutions to the, the four biggest obstacles that every believer has when it comes to making a disciple. Trained them for four weeks on that and then showed them a simple process of three-thirds. We got to the big training. There was a lot of folks at that training. It was chaos. I don't even know how we got through that training. But then since then, since then, 
that church. Now, that was about a year and a half ago. And since then, now every staff at their all staff meeting, they're implementing these simple tools and these simple ideas to make things smaller so that they can go bigger. Not necessarily for their gatherings on Sunday, but so that they can go bigger in how far they reach out in their community. But it starts with a few that you can wrap your arms around, help them understand these simple solutions to the obstacles that we have when it comes to evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development. Train them well. Teach them the simple process of making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Cast a large net to the entire church and then take these leaders that you've been working with and then turn them loose. And then what we have seen just over the last we started our Made to Multiply initiative back in November. And how many people what, did, have we had a chance to train just in the last eight, 10 months? There's been like, oh, specifically in the state of Louisiana, it's right at 500. Um, but uh, nationwide, I think we're, yeah, it's, it's, it's been remarkable. All through grabbing a hold of leaders, casting a big vision, giving them the clear pathway, and then showing them these simple steps of overcoming these four major obstacles, because there's more than just those four, with biblical solutions, modeling for them a simple process, a three-thirds process by which we can understand the Word of God and then live out the Word of God and then casting a big net to the whole church and then releasing authority to these leaders we worked with to make disciples who will then make disciples who will then make disciples. And what we're finding in these churches is that they're not just discipling the people who are inside their four walls. They're starting to make disciples of people who will never come to their church. And are you okay with that? Is that something that you're okay with? But they're making disciples out in lostness. Man, that was a fantastic episode. I really appreciated Josh bringing that those tools for us and also encouraging me to make time every single day to continue to pray for the lost. In fact, God is speaking that to me and my church the past few weeks to not give up hope, especially for the people that I think, man, they're never going to come to Jesus. They're just never going to do it. God is filling me with hope right now that it is possible. He can change anyone. He can do it. And He wants us to partner with Him and He wants to use us. That's so exciting. Up next, we've got more from E3, so make sure you stick around, hit the subscribe button, and leave us a comment or a review. That would be fantastic. I really appreciate all of you listeners out there that care about being better disciple makers and knowing that the hope of Jesus is exactly what the world around us needs. All right, y'all, go out there and make disciples. Enjoy the rest of your day. Mm -hmm.